This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right. Bonus episode time. The nameless bonus episode where we talk about things that I don't know that everyone else is trying to avoid. <laughs> it feels like uh, <laughs> you text me a couple of days ago because the article and the picture, frankly, about of Jerry Jones oh. uh, from 65 years ago, standing in front of uh, his high school blocking this. I, I mean, how would you describe that photo? I don't want to I don't want to uh, lead the jury, but you obviously have a lot to say about it. So please. Yeah, it was basically a photo of Jerry Jones. Like, let's be plain. Jerry Jones is in the middle of a race riot where a bunch of white uh, high school kids were trying to use violence and intimidation to stop six black kids from going to from integrating. A, a this is David school. Dennis. I don't know if I introduced you properly. <laughs> David Dennis. I mean, people who are. <laughs> no, you did not. You did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so you know where to send your vitriol. is David <laughs> Dennis. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, that's a fair characterization. So the funny thing is the picture got passed around the Internet uh, with a lot of commentary before people read the article. And I don't know that people have read the article because it felt like a lot of people's reaction was like appeared as if they didn't read the article. Yes. To me. I don't know. I guess I, I, I kind of wonder what your take was. It is. I, I want to hear what you have to say about it before I say my piece. Yeah. I mean, I think that the photo, like a lot of people characterize the photo as just this like one gotcha photo of Jerry Jones and everybody was supposed to be scandalized by it. But I think the thing is that it, it's, it was used in the larger context of his, his race relations and, and namely in not hiring a black court, a, a black coach uh, in his career and sort of contextualizing that with the history of where he's come from, right? And being an 80-year-old white guy from Little Rock, Arkansas. And there's a lot of stuff about his grandfather and his family and where that history comes from. Part of that history is, of course, the fact that he was at this um, this protest, violent race riot thing. And, you know, the issue here is, I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to say, this took place, 50, you know, 65 years ago. He was only 15. You know, what what should he know? But I think the problem is in 2022, his answer is still really troublesome. You know, uh, the idea like you don't just wander. It was just like he basically characterized if he just wandered into this event, not quite knowing what was going on and was like, wow, that's weird. There's like white kids yelling at black kids. I'm going to go home now. That's there's no way to no reason to believe that happened. This was on the net. This was on the news. They were uh, the governor was calling the National Guard. This was he knew where he was going at the time. And even if he showed up not knowing what he was at some point, he heard the N word and he heard a lot of violence and he just stood there and did not stand with the black people. So you're standing sort of against them. And in 2022, you got to have a better answer than I just moseyed on and whoopsie daisy. I was in a race riot. Yeah, he um. so I, I'm. I don't know. I'm in a weird place with this because, like, I didn't have the reaction to the photograph that I think I was supposed to have or that people wanted me to have. It's like, yeah, his explanation was he knew what was happening, but he wanted to, like, see what was going on. Check out the like, vibes. He, he was doing a vibe, a vibe check on the, on the yeah, race ride. Yeah, he, he knew what was popping, and he was told not to go there, mm -hmm. but he went anyway because he was a curious 14, 15-year-old, and he wanted to see check on the vibe as you said which like that 
doesn't seem true. But also, like, is it wrong for me to say I don't care? Like, I, I think it's because I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's like, I'm not surprised that Jerry Jones would be there, I, I, honestly. And I'm not, like, up in arms and furious about it. I think it's an interesting photograph to, like, juxtapose with um his record on hiring black coaches. But I think the damning stuff to me was his response to questions and not even like you point out, not even his response to the questions about then. Cause yeah, he didn't have a good explanation for it. He did not seem apologetic or mm-hmm. like re- remorseful. That's a problem. But again, maybe because I read it, I didn't have time to be bothered by that. But what I was more bothered by was he still don't know. Like he still don't understand because his father, like his grandparents, I think they're, they're like on some list of like open racists. Right. His father, he believed his father to be more progressive because he owned a um, grocery store that he allowed black people to enter in the front door and shop in. And he had, uh, I had black friends. Right, he had yes. black friends. Uh, he also was fond of soul food. And he ate chitlins growing up. Mm-hmm. These are like things that were pointed to as reasons why he was comfortable with black people. And he played sports and he was around black people in that way. But I think what was really unfortunate is he was preaching something that that like it 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 makes me uncomfortable in large part because it's what. It's not uncommon. He's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Like he, he one acknowledges that there is a problem that needs to be addressed and he pays lip service to wanting to be a part of the solution. But he also does this thing that like often you hear it from successful black people. Right. It's like respectability, politics, outwork. And it's like. I don't hate that as a message between black people internally where it's like this world is unfair. You're going to have to work twice as hard. That's a fact. But then where there are other people, billionaire white man who tells his great rags to riches story involves him asking for a favor to get into Augusta National to play golf where black people cannot play where black people yeah. <laughs> so he's like he's like all you gotta do is outwork them and you gotta not say no and you gotta find ways to make stuff happen like i did when i called my college coach <laughs> and was like you think you could get me an augusta national this is the only way i can get this this big uh this big energy deal is if i can get an augusta national and he was like, I don't know. I can try to pull some strings. And this man pulls some strings for him. And that is what kicks off his like empire. Right. And he keeps pointing to all these itch- situations that he thinks are great stories of inspiration. See, you can be like me, too, if you just work your ass off and use all your contacts. When the actuality, that's the point. There's, that's the point. We don't we have it. We don't have we don't have access to that. But here's the boot. Here's the here's the thing about the bootstrap thing that's so interesting to me. Right. Is that. Everybody's like, Jerry Jones, 
grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. He was fit. You know, what what do you expect? Of course, he's going to be, you know, have some sort of racism. Why can't he pull himself up from the bootstraps out of racism? Like, why can't you bootstrap Ooh. yourself out of your upbringing? Like, we're talking about black pull kids. Pull yourself up by your moral bootstraps? Yeah, pull yourself up by the, like, we talk about black kids, and you're like, you were raised a certain way. Like, pull yourself up and overcome, you know, your, your circumstances of poverty and lack of uh, resources at your school. Pull yourself up. Well, Jerry Jones, and then we at the same time say, well, Jerry Jones, he didn't have a choice. That's how he was raised. No, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go be a better white man to black people. Like that's something that you can do for yourself if you want to talk about self-actualization instead of just saying the only way to pull yourself up by your bootstraps is call your friend and ask him to go play golf at a place where black people cannot play and tell that story to black people who have access, the black people were telling the story to had access to literally 0% of the story that he was telling. Like every second of that story was unrelatable to 99.9% .9 of black people in America and probably 100% of the black people in that room. Uh, yeah, that's the hardest part is I think that he believes that he is now on the right side. Right. And that's the, I think that's what's more discouraging than anything is we are going to need, and by we, I don't mean black people. I mean us as a country. We are going to need champions with power and influence to be on the right side of this. He thinks that even if the most generous view is he believes that he was on the wrong side because he was unaware. And now he believes that he is aware and now he's on the right side. But he still don't understand like, it's, it seems clear to me that he didn't study for the test and he thought that he he could charisma his way through it. Well, that that's and the thing. He can. He can is the thing. He can. He can. You can. I mean, nothing. That's the thing. Like, all, all of this, oh, I feel bad for Jerry Jones. What's the worst that's going to happen to him? He's going to do a couple interviews and then, sorry, like, people is going to get uncomfortable for a little bit. And then he's going to go on and talk about Dak Prescott and, like, quarterbacks or whatever. But, like, I don't know what's worse. Like they they tried to interview every owner, all you know, thirty one of them said no. Jerry Jones said yes. I don't know what's worse, like that thirty one owners were like, no, I got too much of a bad history of black folks to do this interview, or Jerry Jones was like, nope, I got it, <laughs> like I'm good, <laughs> like I like we're on the good side of this. I can take this interview and I can handle it. I don't know which one is more, like I don't know which one the lack of self awareness. Or the actual realization that no, if they ask me literally three questions about my relationship with black people, like my career may be over. It's all bad, but I don't know which one is worse. I don't know. At least there's some hope. There's these are those other doors, the 31 other doors that are closed. You're like, maybe there's a chance that somebody read a book behind one of them doors. But it's clear that Jerry Jones is making and like, so I was quoted in the article. And I didn't know what the article was be about. I talked to um, them over the summer about the black coaches thing. And they asked me about like experiences with Jerry Jones. And I, I've had nothing but positive experiences with Jerry Jones. I mean, as positive as negotiations, CBA negotiations can be. But I know I knew who he was. You know, like I didn't expect anything different from him. And it seems like he, I guess this is, I don't want to be repetitive. I think we covered this ground, but the craziest part to me is, yeah, he knew what was coming. He knew mm -hmm. what these questions were going to be about. And that was him prepared. Yeah. And that was him. I understand the issue. 
He had 65 years to prepare for the question of like you were at this thing when you were 15 years. Like he had a very long time to prepare for this question. Like that is a like an AP photo. Like that is a photo that has been spread around all over the Internet. And people have seen the photo. He knew he was in the photo. He knew he was there. And at some point, somebody was going to ask this question. And his best answer was like, gee, gee, golly, I was on my way to the nickel and dime store to get a Kit Kat. And whoop, there are people gathered around. And I just walked over there to see what was going on. Like, that is his best answer. Instead of being like, look, I was at this place. I was, you know, I was 15. I was impressionable. I was around a bunch of racist folks. I was going to hang out with them. I was too scared to like stand up for these people. And like, I've worked all of these years to make up for it. No, his thing was just like, whoopsie. I just ended up, you know, you know, terrorizing six black kids. Sorry. Like that just not, that does not jive with somebody who has done any sort of real reckoning with their history or where they need to go to be the progressive person that they purport themselves to be. Yeah. His, um, motivation has always been financial since and that was mm-hmm. what that was the context that i talked about him and it's like he was one of the easier owners to negotiate with because it, it got down to like it was very clear what was important to him and there was no like sugarcoating it and he doesn't try to and in this interview it seemed like he tried to and right. this is probably why he normally don't try to he has colorful language where he like mm-hmm. uses like cutesy folksy uh twang to say like these weird um like aphorisms he has that but he uses those to cut to the core of what's important to him and that's money but you saw what happened when he tried to like deal with a tough issue in a way that is not direct and it got messy and confusing and i don't know to your point forget 65 years because like all right he had no reason to confront any of this. Like at no point did someone did his life be impacted by this until like recently, like Colin Kaepernick and and beyond. Like, it seemed like it has been something that has impacted his life. And maybe you should take a second to think about this. And then he was preparing for like this. I'm sorry to keep dwelling on this, but this continues to blow my mind is he, probably maybe sat down with somebody because this is a big deal. He's the only one right. speaking for all of the league, the league office and all of this. This is a big deal. So maybe he sat down with somebody and he told this person that this is what I'm going to say. And this person was like, sure, go ahead and say it. And he thought <laughs> he killed it. Right. And no one realized. So yeah, it just, I don't know. It's like, this is like, this should be the question that is in the black box. Like the, the break in case of emergency, you have researched this question since 1989. And like, whenever they ask you about the time you attended the, like the racial violence attack <laughs> thing, you should have your answer memorized for the past 30 years. But he did not. And because he does not see that as a big deal. But it's it. And, you know, people, again, will say it was 65 years ago. But like him talking about punishing people for kneeling was not 65 years ago. Him standing by why Bob McNair said the inmates run the asylum was not 65 years ago. His cronyism with Donald Trump and all the stuff that they've been hanging out, that was not 65 years ago. So it's all in context. Like if you have lived a life like to make that picture obsolete, then this would be a non-story. You know, if you have lived the type of life that where you could say, when I was 15, I did a super wrong thing. 
my bad, but look at all the rest of the year's fine, then that it's not a story. But he has nothing to stand on that substantiates that, except for the fact that he's nice to black people. Like that's sort of what it is. Like he's a nice, like everybody's like, he's a super nice guy to black people. And to your point, black people make him a lot of money. So why would you not be super nice to black people? His big thing he points to is I almost hired Denny Green that one time. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he was very open about, yeah, this business is about who, you know, is like I hire people without interviews. And like now he has to interview people, which like it makes it clear that without him saying it, that the interviews are a sham. Like, right. at least in his building, they are a sham. He like kind of made it clear that like I hired people based on relationships. I hired my college roommate. I hired my college coach. I hired this other guy because his dad was a scout and he'd been around here for a long time. I hired based on relationships. One time I almost hired Dennis Green. Right. <laughs> That's it. That's I mean, that that is it. So, yeah, it's sad. It is what it is. And I think the most discouraging thing is he is the picture of progress that they want to put out there as far as their owners are concerned. And he's the most Teflon person in the NFL. You know, like all that, like we're going to talk about it and like, he may not even ever address it. He may not ever have to, you know, he's just going to be fine with it and everything's going to be okay. And, and like Cowboys are still going to be beloved amongst black America as, as they have been forever. And, you know, black people who love the Cowboys who always say, we always know who Jerry Jones was. This is not a surprise. Like I had an argument with the black Cowboys dude, Cowboys fan a week ago because he felt like Kyrie Irving was like some victim of some like conspiracy. Like you like you cannot be super militant black man and be like, it's OK. Jerry Jones is like Jerry Jones is OK with me. I know what I'm dealing with. And I like those things don't don't jive. And like it's I know we love I know we as black people love the Cowboys. But at some point, like you can free yourself. You really can free yourself from like having to love something that Jerry Jones owns. It doesn't have to be this way. All right. That was fun. Yeah. I always go for the fun stuff. No I'm jokes. Gonna, uh, I'm going to go uh, light a rib with my lighter. Can we talk about my guy? Real There's quick? nothing to talk about. Go ahead. What do you want to say? My man at the Bayou classic with those that do not know Southern and Grambling HBCU football game. Out Thanksgiving weekend, huge event in in Louisiana. They caught my man in 4K, lighting up. Everybody thought it was a blunt that he was lighting up because he had all of the mannerisms. So I've heard of lighting up a blunt, and he was, but he was lighting one single barbecue rib and heating it up with a lighter, and he ate it. I feel like here's my hot take. I feel like now the barbecue rib has replaced turkey as the official meat of Thanksgiving because that is the most Thanksgiving. That's who we should celebrate for Thanksgiving every year. Where he get that rib from? He brought it in his pocket. I feel like I, I want to say he brought it in his pocket. I want to say it was tucked in his sock like Marshawn Lynch's chicken wings at one time. <laughs> I, I feel, feel like, like you can't bring food <laughs> into the arena, and I don't think that they serve ribs. Uh, if they do serve ribs, then they would probably be hot. So, like, uh, I don't think. Must I remind you how resourceful this man is? So I'm. Sure- oh no 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 no! I'm not. I'm not saying that he didn't bring it in. I'm just saying that if he brought it in. He had to stash that thing. He stashed it somewhere. I'm sure. I bet he had a rib compartment in his jacket. That's that like has a traffic nice, ribs, like a little rotisserie, <laughs> like a little rotisserie thing in his jacket that he just that he just brings in. Uh-huh. And he, the man, my man, had a plan. When a rib, when you need a rib, you just need a rib. And <laughs> you know, 
It was like an emergency rib. I need, I need you to find my man and do an in-depth interview with him because he's a pioneer interviewer. I mean, an innovator. If you're out there, rib man, reach out. I want to talk to you so we can chronicle this moment in black history that will never be forgotten. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. All right, my man. Anything you want to plug? Uh, buy my book still. It's still on sale. It's still for sale. The movement made us wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that stuff. Buy my book. Uh, it's a great stocking stuffer, uh, especially for, you know, if you want to send some to your dad, send some to your kids, anybody, history buff, uh, anything. It's, it's great. It's a great piece of work. Just buy it. All right. Appreciate you, bro. My man. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, so this bonus episode, we're going to get away from just the serious stuff and bring you guys a treat my friend tatiana smallwood who i guess what do you, you're a producer on first take and uh fish dustin as well yeah all right so as you guys know i'm old and have three kids and married and, and wildly out of touch with all things that are cool and young so 
I keep some young people around. Tatiana is my new New York connect. My my plug, as they say, that makes as me they sound say. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she hasn't failed me yet with a recommendation of restaurants, happy hours, or anything, even music. She got me listening to a, a man by the name of Little Uzi Vert. I just want to rock. You know the dance. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Tatiana is here to make me a lot cooler. And also, the first thing that the kids do these days. Yes, the kids. She is a kid. I don't know exactly how old you are, but you're much younger than me. I'm push. I'm almost 30. So, yeah, you know, grown. I'm a grown kid. <laughs> I, I followed you on TikTok and immediately unfollowed you because I was like, this ain't for me. This is this is not for me. You was doing dances and the clothes <laughs> was tight. And I felt like like uh, uh, an angry uncle. Like, what you do? No, this ain't for me. <laughs> It was, it was weird because yes. I think the feeling that it was supposed to have had the opposite feeling for me. I was like, what's she doing? Don't do that. So I had to, I had to get off of the TikTok, at least stop following you. I follow you on Instagram, which is makes me feel less. Well, uh, at least shout out my TikTok, you know, like let's let's give me some promo. You can follow me on TikTok to see all the you don't great, wonderful stuff you don't that want Dominique didn't want to see. <laughs> you can follow me on TikTok at Tatiana Sierra, T-A-T-I-Y-A-N-A-S-I-E-R-R-A. Yeah, y'all gonna see what I'm talking about. Y'all, well, I don't know how you're gonna react, but you're gonna know. First of all, the, the latest thing happening right now in the world, something I even know about in the world of music and pop culture, is 21 Savage in Drake's album. Give me what I need to know so when I'm around young people, I can sound like I'm in touch. Also, 21 Savage disnaws, and I mean, as far as my old ass is concerned, that's unacceptable. <laughs> well, honestly, they dissed a lot of people in that album. Um, I'm pretty sure their PR team was listening to that like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have some cleaning up to do. Um, being one of one of those people that they actually did offend, I believe, was Meg Thee Stallion, who I'm also a big fan of. So it took me a couple days to actually really listen to the album thoroughly and consistently the way I normally do for Drake albums, um, just because I wasn't too happy with the shady uh, lyrics that he kind of threw at Meg Thee Stallion. So can you paraphrase what was said about Meg Thee Stallion? Yeah, so he kind of uh, had a wordplay going about a girl lying about like BBL shots and saying like, oh, you know, she lied about the shots, but she's still a stallion. And granted, we understand you're talking about BBL shots, but the wordplay coming off of what Meg just experienced with Tory Lanez, I felt like I didn't appreciate that because one, it's a black woman who deserves to be protected by other black men. And she seems to just continue to get heat and um, and really just catch a lot of fire for I don't know if it's clout. I don't know what exactly a lot of these guys are getting from that. But I just didn't appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, Drake don't need the clout. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe he's exactly. the clout in certain circles. Like, I don't think that Drake is trying to cozy up to Tory Lanez, it doesn't make sense. It does feel like a a bit of a a, a punch down, I guess. Like it feels unnecessary to be. It was so is it just Was it just for him to like show off his wordplay ability? Because I feel like the shots, shots, lying, lying. Like I, I get what you're doing there, but it's it's really talented. Guys. It was it was unnecessary. unnecessary. But once I was able to look past past that, and I actually listened to the album probably like a good twenty times in a week. 
I came up with my top three. <laughs> so hold up, before you move on, the bottom line is if it knocks, it knocks. We we will, oh, yeah. we will we will overlook. Maybe we will just fast forward to the part through the part that offends us. But if that thing slap, we are listening to it. So all right, give me the top three. Listen, good music is good music. You gotta be fair, you know. Um, so my top three. Number one, you ready for this? Treacherous twin. Treacherous twin is number one. I could sing it for you, but I probably would do Drake no justice. <laughs> um, so number one, Treacherous Twin. Number two, Hours of Silence. You get that classic Drake flow. Like it makes you just want to get in the car at 2 a.m. and just drive through the city. You know, like <laughs> that's that's that Drake flow that that you want when you're listening to it. 2 a.m. I'm asleep at 2 a.m. at all times. But it makes you want to drive through the city. You're you are a, a New York native, right? I am. I am. Okay. So, but I never, I didn't drive in New York. I saw, that's what I was about to say. If you're a New York native, you ain't driving no way. It makes you want to get up at 2 a.m. and ride the dangerous subway around. I mean, 2 a.m., you know, those are scary hours, sneaky link hours. <laughs> so you might just already be on the road. That's fair. Those are sneaky link hours. And those are also rat hours. As I know, when I'm walking over to work at 530 normally from the hotel, this, this city belongs to the rats at 5 a.m. So I'm sure at 2 a.m. they are really running these streets. All right, what are the other uh, of your top? All right, so those were top two. And then we have our third one, which is going to be middle of the ocean. And it took some convincing for me to put this on my top three because, you know, you got, I think, 21's kind of singing in a little bit R&B style. And I wasn't a huge fan of it. But once you sit down and you listen to it, and you really dissect the lyrics, that man Drake was spitting. Like, <sighs> underlying bars, under bars. So I'm surprised. Like, I feel like you sound like me in the 90s. It's like, it's just all about the lyrics. We are we are looking for all the impressive wordplay and rhyme scheme and all that stuff. I thought that you young kids was in the mumble rap and sing-songing and, and didn't actually care what was being said. The beats these days is what really carries a lot of songs that go viral. Um, the All beats right, and the so, dances that you can do to it, honestly. Oh, goodness. All right. So give me the top three again. So I know because like I, I I've listened to an album a couple of times. My wife plays it uh, occasionally, but I just need to know the three songs that I need to listen to. Give me the top three again. And then I want to hear about twin. your holiday. All right. Treacherous Twin. That's number one. Number two, Hours of Silence. As a matter of fact, Someone literally just texted me 20 minutes ago and sent me that song and said, every time I hear this song, I think about you. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, is that a compliment? Is that a threat? Is that a flirt? No, it's. I think it's a little bit of uh, a compliment and a flirt at the same time. Oh, but anytime oh. someone can say they think of me when they hear a Drake song, that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was two. Was the last one? And the third one is Middle of the Ocean, which right, that so. song is also the one where he disses Serena Williams' husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Random stray. But. Yeah, that was, uh, I assume that there, there might be some more of that story. I heard about that one. All right, well, I apologize in advance. First, thank you for coming on, and hopefully we can do this again. You keep me young, but I apologize in advance for what's going to happen to your DMs um, <laughs> as a result of you advertising your social media here on this fine podcast. I do not, I'm not responsible for anything that my hooligans do. It's all good. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.